So I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, introduce John. Uh, hi, John and Jenny as well. Uh, John Grayson, he, he was here this morning uh, sharing with us. So I hope you were able to uh, enjoy that uh, time this morning. Uh, but we're delighted that you're able to be here again this evening, John. So uh, to help us get to know you, because uh, I don't know if anybody else here like me uh, hasn't met you prior to this morning. Uh, so it'd be great to get to know you a little bit. Uh, so I have a few questions uh, to ask oh, John. Um, some of them uh, I've prepared him. Some are quick fires just to keep him on his toes. Um, <laughs> so, so just a nice, easy one to begin with. Uh, this one by Popular Demand. Uh, this one came in earlier this week. Uh, Pizza Express or Nando's? Uh, if it has to be one or the other, it'd be Pizza Express, but preferably neither. Okay. Uh, Jenny's cooking, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you're not a stranger to these parts. I understand uh, you've had quite a long association with Oak Hall Church. Uh, so could you explain a little bit about that? Well, the the first contact was through the expeditions. Uh, back in May 1989, I was down at Oxford Manor for a Scripps Union meeting and uh, bumped into a colleague who was down there for another purpose. And he said, oh, come, on, come and talk to Ian. Uh, that was May. In August, we were out in Venice. And that was the start of... Uh, our association with the expeditions. I think I started uh, speaking at local church probably a couple of years after that. Um, but it's always been a joy to uh, come and uh, share the word at local church and on the expeditions. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you mentioned there uh, Scripture Union. Uh, so could you uh, explain how you've been encouraged through this ministry that you've had with them? <laughs> Well, I started out with Scripture Union in, in 1973, uh, and I worked under Paul Marsh, who a number of you will know well, uh, for three or four years, and then I took over part of Paul's role, mostly working on uh, daily Bible reading notes. Uh, and I guess that really just tied in with my passion to help people understand and live by uh, scripture. Uh, anything which I can do to help people make sense of what God is saying uh, and then turn that into practice, um, I guess that's what fires me, really. Fabulous. Well, we're looking forward to uh, receiving from that wealth of experience as you've uh, prepared for this, this evening uh, through God's help. Uh, a little less serious one here. Um, what's your... Uh, well, we've been in lockdown for a little while now. Uh, and uh, what would be your binge watching platform of choice, Disney Plus or Netflix? Uh, <laughs> what was the first option again, Chris? Disney Plus. As we subscribe to neither. <laughs> <laughs> we can't watch them. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Haven't got a clue, quite frankly. <laughs> I think that's the right answer, actually. <laughs> uh, so a little more seriously, uh, with this lockdown, it's obviously been really hard for lots of people. Uh, would there be uh, something in particular that you've learned from this period? I think one of the things that God has been challenging me about is the whole question of we've had to learn to do church very differently. And it's just sort of struck me there are so many things we do as church that are very important to us. Uh, we, for example, did a survey in our own church just to see how people were feeling and, and how things were going. And 
it was evident that the things that they missed most were uh, singing together and having coffee together. And that, that sort of set me thinking that so often when we do church, there, there are all sorts of trimmings around it. Uh, and the real danger is that sometimes the trimmings can get in the way of really uh, relating to God. And I think one of the things that lockdown is is doing for us is helping us to sort of pare away some of the external stuff and really get down to that serious business of uh, relating to God and knowing God. Now, I, I know that's a massive challenge, and, and I know that w- when we're on our own, that can be extraordinarily difficult. Um, but I still think that's one of the real challenges, to, to really use this time to get to know God better, to get into his word, to meet with him in prayer and to grow through that. So that's one of the challenges that's just been coming uh, my way. Really, That's really wise words there. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and slightly on the back of that, uh, is there any bit of advice that you would uh, offer this congregation here at Oakville Church uh, during these unusual times? Well, I I guess it flows out of that, really. But I I think it's just that question of making sure that right the way through, uh, Jesus is at the centre. That There are so many things that uh, will occupy our our minds, we'll have anxieties, we'll have fears, uh, we'll have uncertainties. Um, For many of us, the whole experience of perhaps being on our own will be very challenging. But I think just... Keep Jesus at the centre of all of that. Mm. Not very profound, I know. But... Well, it, I think it is um, very, very important, isn't it? So thank you so much for sharing with us just now. And um, we're looking forward to hearing from you a little bit later. Uh, but for now, I, I'd like to introduce Stephen Brooks. Uh, he's going to be doing uh, the reading for us this evening. Uh, we've recently started a, a new series looking at seven people's encounters with Jesus. And tonight we're going to look at Mark 7, where we read about a foreign woman who encountered Jesus. Uh, so while we look forward to John in just a moment, uh, over to you, Stephen, for tonight's passage. Uh, hello. Yes, we're in Mark uh, chapter 7, uh, and we're looking at verses 24 to 30. I guess I'll give you a moment to find it. Is that what you normally do? <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, so Mark chapter 7. Uh, verses 24 to 30. And from there, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast a demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, Let me just pray uh, as John comes uh, to share with us. Well, God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to have your word in front of us. 
uh, to be able to read it and understand it in our own language. We thank you for John here this evening uh, to share from God's words. We thank you that uh, he is prepared for this uh, all this week. Um, we just pray that you would speak through his words, uh, help him to uh, speak the words that you would like him to say. And may we be prepared in our hearts and our minds to receive from you here this evening and also to have the courage to put what we are challenged about into action. Uh, so we look forward to you speaking to us now through John in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Chris. I should perhaps explain that uh, Jenny has not left. She's just gone across the room to take another seat so uh, you can't see her yawning through my talk. Uh, I guess one of the challenges uh, of the moment is that uh, lots of our plans for holidays are sort of falling apart. Uh, we, for example, should have been out with an Opal trip in Malta in August, but sadly we'll not be going. Uh, we had our, our daughter and granddaughters over on Friday, and Claire spent quite a bit of the day on the phone to her husband trying to rearrange their holiday plans, which had included Belgium. So some of the breaks that we had anticipated having, we've not been able to have. And here is Jesus uh, wanting a bit of a break. And he goes down to Tyre. Tyre is uh, on the coast. It's sort of up in the north. These days it would be in Lebanon. And it would seem that Jesus just wants to get away and have a little bit of a break from the pressures of ministry. But as so often, it doesn't quite work that way because uh, his uh, reputation has actually gone ahead of him. And he gets there only to find that uh, here is this uh, lady who uh, really wants to uh, experience something from him. She's heard of his reputation. And despite the fact that uh, she's in a country which actually was quite hostile towards Israel. Uh, there's a, a Jewish historian, Josephus, who was pretty much a contemporary of Jesus. And uh, he says that uh, the people of Tyre were the Jews' bitterest enemies. Now, Josephus is known to have a bit of exaggeration sometimes, but nevertheless, um, these were not good friends. So here is Jesus, goes down into this Gentile territory, uh, and his reputation has preceded him. So I want to draw three things out of this uh, uh, woman's reaction. I believe that the theme which is tying these uh, talks about people Jesus met together is your vision verse for the year. As for us, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. And the first thing to notice about this woman is that she had actually heard about Jesus. We haven't got a clue how she'd heard, but somehow that message had come across and she'd heard of his reputation. And that's the start of her encounter with Jesus. We don't know what the level of her understanding was, but she must have had some understanding uh, in order to come and to ask him to help her daughter. And of course, any encounter with Jesus has to start uh, by hearing. I was reminded as I thought about this of Paul in Romans 8, who says, how shall they hear uh, unless someone tells them? 
Uh, many versions have, how shall they hear without a preacher? But that, of course, implies to us that it's some professional, someone like me, uh, who stands up in front of churches and, and tells out the message. But it isn't that at all. It's just someone who announces the truth about Jesus. Uh, Michael Green, who was uh, an evangelist in the, in the last century, used to talk about the early church just going around and gossiping the gospel. And that's what had obviously happened here. Someone had come down to Tyre, spoken about Jesus and all the things he was doing. She picked up on that and she'd heard it. So there's a real sense in which right at the start, we have to understand that if people are going to hear about Jesus, actually they're going to hear through us. So there's a responsibility, I guess, on us just to talk about the things that Jesus has done in our lives. And then the second thing she does is she acts on that. She comes to Jesus. Again, we don't have all the background, but I guess that she had probably tried any number of things just to get her daughter freed from this demonic power that was oppressing her. And in Jesus, she sees someone whom she believes can help. She may, for example, have heard the story which comes from an earlier chapter uh, about uh, a demonized man who'd had the demon cast out, a man who... Uh, used to sort of hang out in the tombs on his own. Um, no one could tame him. She may have heard that story. She may have heard other stories. But either way, she believed that there was something which Jesus could do for her. And so she makes that move of uh, coming to him. Now, this was quite a challenge for her. And it's even more of a challenge for Jesus, because uh, as the reading, which Steve did for us, points out, the woman was a Greek, born in uh, Syrian Phoenicia. So for her to approach a Jew would have been difficult. For Jesus to talk to her, and we'll touch on this again in just a moment, would not have been easy. But nevertheless, because of the need which she has, she comes and she shares that need. Her daughter is oppressed by evil. Evil takes many forms. Um, and... Many of us in society today will find that evil comes to us in different ways. But Jesus, as we're going to see in just a moment, has the answer to all those things which come our way, which come from the enemy who wants to pull us down and wants to oppress us. So she hears and she comes, but then she persists. She won't let go of this. Now, we, we need to do a little bit of a digression here because Jesus' response seems a bit strange. It almost seems to be a, a put down, a rebuff. Uh, and she might at this point have just turned away and headed off and given up. But she doesn't do that. She hangs on in there, believing that this is the only hope uh, which she has. What is Jesus actually doing here? It's very hard to say, isn't it? Because at face value, it looks as though he's being almost offensive to her. It looks as though he's actually excluding someone who is non-Jewish. And uh, some people have just said, well, look, he's exhibiting that typical Jewish racism, which puts down other nations. 
But then all we know about Jesus says that can't be the case. Uh, and in reality, if you go back to that story I mentioned just now about the uh, Gerasene demoniac, he was a Gentile. So this is not the first contact that Jesus has had with Gentiles. And this bit stands right at the start of a section in which he's about to head off to the Decapolis. That's a Gentile territory to the east, to the northeast of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And he's going to be there and he's going to heal people there and he's going to feed 4000 people there. So quite clearly, Jesus is not exhibiting that sort of racism that some people would charge him with. We know from everything else he says and he does that his mission, his concern is for all nations, comes out again and again. And of course, supremely, when he sends his uh, disciples out at the end of Matthew, he says, go to all the nations. That's his concern. But at this point, perhaps there's a priority, which is to enable the nation of Israel to fulfill her role in being the witness to God's great saving acts. I'd love to have been there because tone and body language matters so much. I'm sure that Jesus didn't say this in a sort of stern, unbending sort of way. I'm sure there was a, a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. And what he's doing, he's really enabling this woman to, to stretch her faith and to grow and to exercise her faith more deeply. This is how people uh, teach and this is how people learn, by, by having to deal with challenges and questions. And so we see that her faith grows. She hangs on in there and she comes up with a, a clever and a witty reply, pointing out that actually, yes, maybe she as a Gentile is not first in line, but she's certainly in line. And uh, there's a, a benefit which is going to be there for everyone. So sometimes, and, and I think maybe this is one of those times, we have to just hang on in there. There's a lot in the Bible about waiting for God. Uh, one of the challenges that we in our own fellowship have faced up to as a leadership is that it would seem that uh, what God is saying to us is that the theme for the autumn is seek. And uh, we've just decided to open up the church at a range of intervals. Uh, we can only get about 25 people in uh, with the proper distancing. But just for times of prayer, in order to, to seek God for the situation in which we're in. So we have to hang on in there sometimes. And there will be times, challenging times, when it just seems that God is not answering. But those are the times when we just have to hang in there, persist and believe that he will deal with it. So she hears, she comes, she persists. And what's the outcome? She receives. Because Jesus loves to do good things for people. He loves to bring healing. He loves to bring hope. He loves to bring deliverance. He loves to bring salvation. That's, that's what he came to do. Uh, and uh, this demonstrates for us that this story is not actually about anyone being excluded. It's about everyone being included. If we take it in its context, if we take it as a whole story, not just individual bits of it, this is a story about God's love and God's grace and God's goodness through Jesus being available 
to all people. There are no barriers. Uh, our readings at the moment, uh, Jenny and I, in the scheme that we follow, are in Ephesians. And in Ephesians, Paul talks about the, the wall of partition being broken down. He talks about one new humanity being created. So here is Jesus opening the way for this foreign woman to receive all the blessings which he has available and his faith and her persistence that opens the door to that. So if we want to receive something from God, if we are looking to receive blessing from Jesus, then yes, we need to come. Yes, we need to hang on in there sometimes. And then through that faith which we exercise, we'll begin to receive the goodness of God. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that uh, your your goodness and your grace and your love is evident at every turn. And we thank you for the way in which this story, we see you enabling someone to, to grow their faith and to stretch their faith and to exercise that faith and to receive a, a blessing from you. And we pray for ourselves that uh, we might have our faith grow and develop. We pray that you will help us to stretch our faith. And we pray that you'll help us to, to hang on in there until we receive a, a blessing from you. Amen.